Well, if God is calling you, what do you need to know deeply within your hearts? It's a question that is relevant to all of us here because we heard in Simon's introductory remarks, God calls all of us. He wants all of us to be involved in acts of service, all of us to be involved in ministry in its widest sense. And so this passage is relevant to all of us here today, and my prayer is and has been that God would use this to speak to many people about knowing him more, about loving him more, and about serving him more in the church and in the wider world. But obviously, this is a special service as far as Heather is concerned, and I guess I want to speak to her especially from this passage. God is calling you, and we know that God is calling and has called Heather. What is it that you need to know? Not just head knowledge, but know deeply in your heart and life. There are four things that I want to pick out and do this in fairly short order as we bring our service to a close. What do we need to know? What does Heather need to know? Well, the first thing is that she needs to know the one true God in his majesty and in his holiness. Have a, a vision here of God in his glory. And focusing on verses 1 to 4 of our passage, we see how wonderful, how amazing he really is. The earthly king, King Uzziah, has died or is about to die. And yet here we get a vision of the king of kings and the lord of lords. And it's as if the passage is saying the king is dead, long live the real king. Here is the real king. Here is God who is seated on the throne. And as this vision unfolds, it is the holiness of God, the purity of God that is uppermost. The angels are there and with six wings they are flying. With two they cover their faces, with with two they cover their feet to denote humility, with two they are flying to denote service. But as they cover their faces we get a sense of this awesome holy God. These angelic beings cannot even look on the face of God. And there is the noise as we're drawn into this, the the shaking of the thresholds of the temple, uh, the smoke, and the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Perhaps this is a, a reference to the Trinity, the fact that we believe in one God in three persons, and there are hints on this throughout our passage. But perhaps also there is a sense that God is intensely holy. He is holy three times over, perfectly pure, perfectly majestic, perfectly wonderful. And I don't know if you noticed as we were hearing this read through that actually God himself is not described in these verses. We have the angels We have the uh, furniture of the temple, we see the smoke, we hear the shaking, but the closest we get to an actual description of God is the train of his robe, the edge of his cloak. 
And again, it's as if God is too perfect, too pure, too holy, too wonderful. He can't be described. Words fail. And we just get a glimpse. We just get a taste. We just see something of the holiness of God. And that's what we need. That's what we need to know if we are going to live for God and we're going to serve God. We need a revelation of him in his majesty and in his greatness and in his power. And I want to encourage Heather today, as I encourage all of us, to know that this is our God's to know it deep in our hearts, to allow this passage, to allow these words to impact us deeply, to allow the Holy Spirit to apply them into our hearts and lives so that we know and feel their truth and their power. And having known this ourselves, to share this message of this great and wonderful sovereign God with others. We need a vision of God in his holiness, if we're going to be obedient to his call. Secondly, we need an experience of the glorious gospel. In verse 5, Isaiah recognizes his sinfulness and he says, Woe to me, for I am ruined. He's sinful, he lives among sinful people, and he's seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We might ask the question, was Isaiah particularly sinful? And we might conclude, well... Probably he wasn't. But when he sees himself against the brilliant, shining background of the holiness of God, he recognizes that he is a sinful man. But the wonderful thing that happens is that the angel comes with a coal taken with tongs from the altar and touches his lips, very appropriate for a prophet because it's lips. Uh, These are the instruments that he is going to use to proclaim God's message and he receives cleansing. Coals come from the altar, which speak of sacrifice. And as we reflect on this as Christian people, we recognize that the Old Testament sacrifices are fulfilled in the great once-for-all time sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. It is Jesus to whom the Old Testament sacrifices point. It is Jesus who fulfills the sacrifices. And for us, this cleansing comes by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us. There's a story that the American preacher Tony Campolo tells of a young girl who is on an aircraft flight on her own. She's going to be meeting her father at the end of the flight, but she is traveling on her own, and she is very nervous, and she is actually sick on the flight. Uh, She's badly sick. It's all down her front. Uh, I've heard this story told, and and it's described in great detail, and I'm not going to do that uh, for you today. Uh, You might think that there are bits of diced carrot in it and things like that, but I wouldn't want to go there myself. And you can imagine this happening. Uh, And she is cleaned up by the flight attendants. They're very, very kind to her. But as the plane is coming into land, so she is sick again. And this time they don't really have the time to clean her up. 
She's crying, she's dirty, she's disheveled, and she gets off the plane and she runs to where her father is going to meet her. And there he is waiting to greet her wearing a white suit, <laughs> a new white suit. And, he run, and she runs to him and he opens his arms wide to receive her and then suddenly he looks and he realizes. And he hesitates just for a moment. Maybe I could give her a hearty handshake. Maybe I could say to her, it's wonderful to see you, let's go and find a shower. But it's only for a moment and he embraces her And it doesn't matter that uh, he takes to himself her her mess and her, her dirt and her pain. He's her father and he embraces her. And the message of the gospel, the message that Heather has believed, the message that Heather is to proclaim is that God in Christ has embraced us and he has not hesitated to do so. All our sin, all our pain, all our guilt, as our passage here highlights for us, are embraced by Christ. We ask him how much he loves us and he spreads his arms wide like this as he dies for us on the cross. His love for us is so great. His love for us is so sure. And this is the gospel that Heather is called to believe and proclaim, and it is the gospel that we too can believe and live and proclaim. Do you know that deeply in your heart? Have you believed that for yourself? A vision of the one true God in his holiness and majesty, a vision, a deep knowledge of the glory of the gospel that through sacrifice we are cleansed from sin and guilt because of Jesus. And then a response to the call of God. We've heard Heather respond today. Uh, God has been speaking to her. God has confirmed that to her. But as individuals, we need to respond. And it's a great joy that Heather has done this. And our prayer is that God would be with her as she journeys on into ministry. Perhaps as you've experience this service, perhaps as you have sung the songs, perhaps as you have heard these powerful words of testimony, you've just sensed that God is calling you to make a response. God is calling you to say, you're a holy God, you've loved me in Jesus, now I want to respond. Here am I, send me heard from Heather that in some ways the call came many years ago and as she has been on this journey more recently she has um, come things have come back to mind the word of prophecy that was spoken to her when she was 17 perhaps you recognize that that's you perhaps you recognize that God's hand was on your life a long time ago and he's just now bringing back to your mind things that he wants you to do the ways that he wants you to live. I want to encourage you from God's word by the power of his Holy Spirit. If God is speaking to you, don't be afraid to respond by saying, here am I, send me.
And so we need to know God's holiness. We need to know the glory of the gospel. We need to respond in the power of the Spirit to God's call, to God's commissioning. And it would be very easy to stop there. It would be very easy to stop at verse 8. This is a, a special passage for me, and I have preached on it once or twice before, and very occasionally I do a test with people. And I say, you raise your hand if you have heard a sermon on Isaiah 6 before. Could you, could you do that now? How many of you have heard a sermon on Isaiah 6? Quite a few. This isn't a rhetorical question. I'm actually asking for a response here. How many of you have heard a sermon that does not stop at verse 8 but goes on to verse 9 to the end of the chapter? Not many. In fact, I can't see anybody. One person. That's good. The pastor's heard one. That's a real encouragement. You know, not, having, not having a go at anyone because I have done that. You know, I have preached on Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. Here am I, send me, and then stop. And we have this wonderful prayer at the end, and we go out and we're filled with zeal and passion. We say, God, cut me into a thousand pieces and send me to the four corners of the world, and I'll evangelize everywhere for you. And and it's so exciting and it's so fresh and it's vibrant and dynamic. And of course it is. And following Jesus is like that. It's a great joy. It is so exciting. It is so wonderful. It's not turning your collar into the wind and thinking that it's going to be grim. But it is going to be tough. And we see that in these verses, don't we? The prophet's call has come, and you think he's going to be ministering in a time of revival. This is so wonderful. He's going to go out, and the whole nation is going to turn to Christ. He's going to go out, and everybody is going to put their faith in the one true God. But what happens is this. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And then he receives this specific commissioning. Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the hearts of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And Isaiah says, for how long, O Lord? And you think, ah, that's okay. It's just going to be for... A few days, few months, few years at most, and then everything is going to get better. And then God says this, For how long, O Lord? Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. It starts off rough, and then it seems to get worse. And it's going to be a tough ministry that Isaiah is called to. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's important for us to locate this this passage in the unfolding narrative of the Bible and the gospel. 
And the truth is that we do live in exciting days. The final verse talks about the holy seed being the stump in the land. And this is a prophecy of the coming of the Lord Jesus. And we know that we live in exciting days, post the cross, post the resurrection, post Jesus' ascension into heaven, and in the days when the Holy Spirit has been poured out in a new way, in a fresh way, on men and women who will take the gospel out and who will share it. We can be expectant as we engage in ministry, more expectant, I would say, than Isaiah was in his day. Nevertheless, nevertheless, these are tough times in which to minister. These are hard days in which to live as Christians in this country. Maybe you feel in a service like this, we shouldn't mention things like this. It should all be joy and it should all be a breeze. But that is not realistic as far as ministry is concerned. I can remember when I left college in 1995, Spurgeon's College, and we had a commissioning service in the tent on our lawn. And Clive Calver, who at the time was a general director of the Evangelical Alliance, was speaking. And as I remember it, the burden of his message was this. It's going to be really, really tough in ministry. And as this message unfolded, I can remember feeling really uncomfortable and thinking, this is not right. You know, this isn't the message that we need. We need to have something that is really inspiring, really great, that is going to just fill us with joy and have us tearing down the walls of the tent to get out there and to win the world for Christ. This is probably my recollection. I'm sure it wasn't quite like this. But my memory of how he finished was, I've told you it's going to be tough. It's been really tough for me. It's going to be tough for you. When it happens, when the big trouble hits, don't say nobody told you because I've told you. And then he sat down. And that was it. And and maybe that's just my memory. But that's how I remember it actually being. And you think, yeah, what's that? that's, That's rubbish. That's wrong. Say this carefully, and I thought about this, but I don't think that there has been any other message that I've ever heard that has helped me more in ministry than that one. And I think one of the reasons is that to be forewarned is to be forearmed. If he is saying something like that, and if he feels that it's tough, then if it happens to me, it's not so strange. But what I have also found, as I have engaged in ministry and known so many wonderful times, is that God has been with me in good times and in bad. And the reassurance of call is something that I have looked back to and said, yes, it's not just me. It's not just my idea. It's not even what my own church has said. It's not only what the regional association has said. It's not only what the college has said. It's all of those coming together and saying, we discern God's call on your life and God is with you and press on into ministry. 
And I believe that for Heather, there are going to be some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful times ahead. I think you're going to know great joy as you lead people to Christ. I think you're going to know great joy as you pray for people and as you see their lives transformed. I think you're going to have great joy as you lead your church forward. I think it's going to be hugely exciting. But there will be disappointments. I don't feel that I'm being prophetic in saying this, but nevertheless, you can take it as a word of prophecy if you like. There will be disappointments, there will be struggles, there will be difficulties, but you are called and God is with you. And so never, never give up because this is God's hand on your life and the God who you serve is the God who has revealed himself in Jesus And one day you will see him face to face and he will say, well done, good and faithful servants. And perhaps that's a word for others who are here today as well. Perhaps you're struggling in the Christian life. Perhaps you're struggling in whatever ministry God has called you to. Perhaps you sense that God is calling you to step out in faith in a new venture with a new thing and you're afraid to do it. God is calling you, and yes, it will be tough. And yet God will be with you, and he will lead you on.